Welcome to the United Church Podcast. We're a new church here in Seattle committed to an ethic of love and walking in the ways of Jesus. We're striving to be a people united, united with Jesus, each other, ourselves, and the world around us. We hope you're encouraged and challenged by this week's homily. May the peace of Christ be with you. My name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. It's good to see you on what is now a sunny day. (laughs) My daughter woke up at 6 o'clock this morning to the wind and the beating of the rain on the windows. That was awesome. Thanks. So good. So good to not sleep in on a day in which church is at noon. Uh, Supposed to be able to do those things. Anyhow, it is good to see you, and we are finishing up, we are wrapping up our series today, Becoming Who You Are. This has been a really good series for us. I I think it's actually been a really challenging series for us as a community as we have attempted to dive into the heart of this question of who am I at the very depths of my being, who am I at the core of my being, at the core of myself. This has been a good series because I know there's been some really good conversations that have began to bubble up amongst our community as as we have been talking about what these things mean, as we have wrestled with some of the concepts that are present, as we've talked through some of these lies of identity, as we've talked through who it was that Jesus was and how that influences and impacts us as a people. These have been really good conversations that we've kind of dove into and, and began to really pick apart and pull apart for ourselves. And what I'm perhaps most excited about is that there's actually a desire. There's a desire in our community, there is a desire in our church to ask these questions. There's a desire in us as a people to dive into these philosophical existential questions of being and of who I am, of character and of place. Uh, Our family was in Portland at the end of this week. Tracy was down there for work. And on our way home, Elliot began to ask us some of the questions that we have been wrestling with. At seven years old, she's starting to ask some of the same questions that we as a church have been wrestling with. And so even some of our little kids that are all in the basement today, they're even wrestling with those questions as well. It's been really, really powerful for us as a church. It's been really powerful for us as a community. And this has been super encouraging, not only for myself, but for many others within our community. I'll I'll never forget my first encounter with the questions of identity. As I began to wrestle with them for myself, as I began to ask the question of who am I, I was left with this very nebulous sense this very ethereal sort of like nothingness, which is not a great place to be. When you ask yourself the question, who am I? And you're left with darkness. (laughs) When you're left with silence. When you're left with fog. Who am I? I? I remember it because as I continue to look at that darkness and try and peel it away as if it were some sort of onion and try and dive more and more, I begin to actually begin the work of deconstruction, of like deconstructing who I was, all of the things that made me who I was and what I thought myself to be. I begin to take it and just pitch it, right? It was like the massive, massive Marie Kondoing of myself. 
does this bring me joy? No. And I just began to go over and over and over until I ended in that place of despair. I ended in that place of nothingness, of wondering what actually was left, deconstructing myself completely. Now, I believe that deconstructing anything, whether it's your faith or whether it's the way in which you think the world works, your worldview, your politics, whatever it is, I think deconstruction can actually be a really healthy thing. It's a way of beginning to peel back the onion layer by layer to figure out what sits at the core. But I think oftentimes we get caught in a rut of deconstruction that we continue to go until we hit nothingness. You can continue to pick something apart until there is absolutely nothing left. And I think that was my state of being, of continuing to dive deeper and deeper and deeper into that question to where I had thrown everything out. I had ultimately thrown the baby out with the bathwater, and I was left with nothing. Which is why I'm encouraged today is because that's not what we have been doing. We have been peeling apart left and right bits and pieces of ourselves, but in the process of doing that, we're actually beginning the work of reconstruction, of actually figuring out who it is that we are, beginning to figure out those pieces that need to be at play and at work there in that space. We are working towards the reconstruction of identity. And if you've ever gone to the front page of our website, unitedchurch.love, you'll find our manifesto. And the very first part of our manifesto is we believe in your process. We believe that every single person is on a journey to understand who God is. And this is key, our own identity at its core. The intricacies of relationship with one another and our own place in this world. This is just the first of three or four paragraphs about what it is that we believe. But our own identity at its core. This is what this series has been about. This is what it is that we have been working towards is putting those pieces back together. This idea of reconstruction. And this is a process. Identity is a process, a process that each and every one of us must undergo, a process that each and every one of us must dive into to understand and to look at. I'm always mystified by this quote by Augustine who said, I am a mystery unto myself. I am a mystery unto myself. What I find so fascinating about this quote, what I find so fascinating about this is that he's actually in some respects posing a question of who am I? I'm this mystery unto myself. How on earth do I get around this? How on earth do I begin to figure out the scope of this mystery. I live with myself 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. 366 this year. No? No one? Leap year. It's a leap year joke. Come on, you can make them once every four years. Boom, I did it. All right, I see how it is. All right, all right. Anyhow, you live with yourself all the time, over and over and over, and to find yourself in this space is Augustine that I'm a mystery. 
I don't quite understand who I am. I don't quite understand the depths of my being. Kind of shows the power and the necessity of community. The power and necessity of a people to gather around you to help walk through that question of identity. To walk through that mystery that is present in your space. It's also a recognition that we are mysteries. And it takes a process of identification, a process of digging deep into the depths of our soul to figure out who it is that we really are. It's a process that we do on our own and with others. But here's the thing. We are not alone in this question. We're not alone in this process. It is not just you that sits with that question of who am I? But every single person in this room has wrestled or is currently wrestling with that question of who am I? You are not alone in that question. And perhaps, perhaps for you, for me, I find an even greater sense of comfort in knowing that Jesus actually wrestled with this question as well. That Jesus, in the midst of his ministry, in the midst of his life, actually wrestled with the question of who am I? I think it's easy for us to actually forget that Jesus was a human. That, that Jesus had human thoughts and human emotions, human feelings, human existential questions about who he was in the process of this life that he was living. If you realize, Jesus was actually in his early 30s when all of the things that are in Scripture were written about him. From about the age of 30 to 33, he was an early 30-year-old, right? Like, early 30s was Jesus' life scope, and here he is wrestling with this question of identity in that place and in that space. There's this fascinating section of Scripture, Matthew chapter 16 and 17, in which he really begins to wrestle with this question of identity, where he really begins to wonder who it is that he is. It begins with like these very high highs and these very low lows of experiences to this very pinnacle moment. It starts with, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus feeding the 4,000, which is this really, really amazing, miraculous moment. Some of us would consider that to be like a mountaintop experience, right? Like, Jesus is out there, and he's, he gets these seven loaves of bread, and he's like, boom, 4,000 people fed, just like that, right? Like, in one fell swoop, 4,000 people are eating a meal, and yet, in the back of his mind, he's having these questions of who... Who am I that I can do this, that I can feed 4,000 people? When that moment ends, his disciples begin to question him a little bit. Even the Pharisees begin to question him a little bit, saying like, Jesus, I know you just fed 4,000 people. We were there. It was a good meal. You did a good job. But uh, you need to show us a sign to prove that you really are who you say you are or who it is that you think you are. You need to show us a sign of your grandioseness, right? And if I'm Jesus, I'm sitting there thinking, like, I just fed 4,000 people. And if you were with me just the other day, I just cast out some demons and I just healed some people. I've been doing signs left and right, and you want another sign in order for you to believe. 
in order for you to know who I am. Why do you need a sign? Do I need a sign? Right? You you can't separate the divinity from the humanity of Jesus. The questions that would run through his head at the same time. Why do they need a sign? What is going on here? As they began to push and press up against him, as they began to wonder who it is that he was and also who it is that Jesus thought that he was, over and over and over, these questions began to build. And even after that, the disciples, they didn't quite get it either. The disciples were like, uh, hey, they start to talk to one another. They start to ask each other questions about what is going on. And Jesus looks at them and says, be careful. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They discussed this among themselves and said, it's because we didn't bring any bread. All of a sudden, in the midst of this, in the midst of Jesus feeding 4,000 people, and the Pharisees saying, like, that was a good meal, but we, we're not really sure. Jesus' closest friends, the guys that have been with him for three years, for maybe two and a half years at this point, figuring out what is going on, are like, ah, Jesus, like, we don't get this either. We don't get who you are. We're, we're not really sure that you are who you say that you are. And Jesus, in chapter 16, verse 8, aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, you have little faith. Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Do you still not understand who I am? Because your lack of understanding is actually starting to create some questions for myself as well. And this is where the pinnacle of this moment begins to happen, where all of a sudden, Jesus came into this region and he asked his disciples, Hey guys, who do you say the Son of Man is? What are people saying about the Son of Man? What are people saying about me? Who, who, who do they think that I am? Hear the question? Who am I? Have you ever sat down with your friends and asked that question of them? Have you ever sat down with someone close to you and said, who, what are other people saying about me? What are the people believing about me? about who I am. The disciples looked at him and said, well, some people think that you're John the Baptist. Some people think that you're Elijah. Some think that you're the prophet Jeremiah. Some think that you're just some great prophet that has entered the land. And Jesus looked at them, not matching his own identity that not matching who he had thought himself to be in that moment and in that place. And he looks at his friends and he puts them on the spot. He says, who do you say that I am? Who do you think that I really am? To which Simon Peter, Peter stands up amongst them all and says, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. In the midst of this moment of question for Jesus, of wondering who it is that he is, his best friends, his community of people look at him and affirm what it is that he thought about himself. They affirm for him, yeah, you're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. That's who we think that you are. 
And Jesus' response to Simon Peter was, blessed are you. Which is a way of saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for reaffirming for me who it is that I think that I am. Thank you for telling me, for, for reflecting back to me who it is that I am. Jesus needed his community. Jesus needed his friends to reaffirm, to remind him of who he was. But here's the thing. It didn't end there. Jesus also needed God's reaffirmation of his identity, of who it is that he was and is. In Matthew chapter 17, we have this strange piece of the story, this really strange moment where Peter and James and John and Jesus began to go up the mountain. They go into this place together by themselves as the four of them, and it's Jesus is like transformed right before their eyes. In Matthew chapter 17, they walk up to the high mountain, and there Jesus was transfigured before them. And in verse 2, it says, His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. If I'm with my best friend, and I've just affirmed that he is the son of God, and we walk up this mountain, and all of a sudden his face is glowing like this really bright light, like the sun. Like, you know how when you do the sun stare and you get the black spots in your eyes, you're like, oh, I shouldn't do that. You, you just, like compete against one another. To, as a child, I still do this with my daughter. You compete in staring at the sun, and you're just like, ah, oh, it's so bright, I can't see it, right? And you see Jesus right in front of you. Like, he is like just shining, and his clothes are now this radiant white just glowing in front of you. And all of a sudden, these three other people, like, or these two other people, like, pop up out of nowhere. I'm going to wet my pants first. I'm going to be a little freaked out at what is going on. Like, what is happening to my friend right now? Like, this is nuts. Here's Peter, James, and John standing there looking at Jesus being completely transfigured before him. His entire being is changing right in front of them. And Peter, I, you got to love Peter. Peter says some of the funniest things. He, he looks at them and he says, Lord, Lord, which is telling, right? Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters. Hey, Jesus, we can, we can put up some tents. We can camp out here with Moses and Elijah. We can have a good old time, right? We can just hang out here in this space and... You can figure out that glowing face thing and that glowing robe thing that's going on there. We, you, we can hang out here for all the time in the world, like, and you can just be. And that'll be good, and we can go hang out over here in our own little shelter and just be like, we're just going to let them do their thing. Right? Like, like, Peter is in this space of like understanding and recognizing that something important is happening in the life of his friend. That some sort of change is happening here. That the thing that Jesus needs, right after asking them, who am I? Who, who, what are people saying about me? And, and, and who do you say that I am? Right after that, they end in this space, and all of a sudden, Peter has this recognition. Jesus, you need to stay here for a while. 
I don't know what is going on in your life. I don't know what is going on in this space. I'm really freaked out at the moment, but like, you need this. You need this. And we'll put up some houses for you. We'll put up a couple little tents and you, you can hang out here and get to know whatever it is. You can work out the process of what it is that you need here in this space. You can figure this out. And here in the midst of it is the mysterious presence of God's affirmation. Because right after this moment, right after Peter says this, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. The exact same line was said over Jesus from the cloud in Matthew chapter 3 when Jesus was being baptized. In the midst of his baptism, the, the heavens opened up and a dove descended upon him and the voice of God rained down from the clouds, this is my son whom I love and with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. There's an exclamation point there because like, listen to him. Listen to what he wants. Listen to what he needs. Listen to what he tells you because he's speaking for me. And here in the midst of this space, as Peter is like, Jesus, you need to stay here. This, this space of, of mass transformation, of mass transfiguration that is happening there, God speaks to Jesus and reaffirms to him his identity. Jesus needs that reaffirmation from his community but he also needs that reaffirmation from God. He needs to hear God tell him who he is. Identity happens in community, and identity happens with God. As we become who we are, we need each other, which is why we talk so much as a church about you will never walk alone. That everything that we do is about this process of understanding who God is, who we are, who we are in relationship to one another, and who we are in relationship to the world around us. That we will never walk alone as we trod this path, as we move through this life, as we walk in this world. We will never walk alone because we need each other. We need each other. We need each other to become who we truly are. But we also need God to affirm to us, to speak to us, so that we may hear the depths of our being, the core of our being, of who it is that we are. We need God. We need to sit in his presence and listen and hear. We need to sit in the mystery and the wonder of who he is and have that poured into our hearts and into our souls, into our minds and into our beings. We need to sit in this presence. As God spoke, Peter, James, and John fell on their faces. They dropped to the ground. I've only ever seen someone crumble to the ground in fear, I don't know, maybe a dozen times in my life, but it's always been the same person. It's Tracy. 
and it's because I like to scare her um, for no reason whatsoever, but then I can, right? Like you just hide behind a door and you pop out, and all of a sudden her defense mechanism, her response is like her legs just go, they just disappear. Like they're just gone. And she just like crumbles to the ground and falls. Like it's, it's like a rag doll that you try and stand up. She just falls. And it's really, really funny. And I kind of imagine Peter, James, and John doing the exact same thing. That God speaks, this is my son. And they just, they drop, right? Like they're like, oh no. Like they just, they're down to the ground and they're covering their faces and they're freaking out about what is happening around them. They're terrified in this instance. They're terrified in this moment. And when it's all said and done, when Jesus has, has, has sat in that mystery, when Jesus has sat in that presence of God, he turns and he looks to Peter, James, and John. He says, get up. Get up. Get up. And don't be afraid. Get up and don't be afraid. This word, get up, is actually really fascinating. It's, it, the, the word in Greek is agero. Agero. It's, it's super fascinating because it's used in a lot of different places. But it's always used in the same way. Not necessarily like just stand up. But more of like a command of like rise up as if you were now alive. As if you were once dead, but now you are alive. Rise up into this new life. Rise up into this new creation. And don't be afraid of who it is that you are. Like, rise up in power. Rise up in strength. Rise up and gird yourselves because it's okay that you are here and now. Rise up. Stand at attention. Stand in this place and do not be afraid. Rise up as a new creation and do not be afraid. Jesus, in understanding who he is, looks to his friends and he says, get up. A new day is coming. A new day is here. Not where I only understand who I am, but now you understand who I am as well. And you stand up in this place, and together we are going to walk down this mountain. Together we are going to enter into this new life and this new creation together. You see, identity is an opportunity for you and me not only to understand who we are, but to look to others and say, rise up, get up and join me in understanding who it is that you are. Rise up and join me and together as we walk through this life, we will be this new creation and everywhere that we go, we will usher in a new creation with us. We will birth new life everywhere we go all the time, and in all the ways. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The, 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 the Celtic, brilliant Celtic poet, John O'Donohue, says this. The human journey is a continuous act of transfiguration. The human journey is a continuous act of transfiguration, not of transformation. 
but of changing the figure within which we understand ourselves. It is a process to which we always walk in and walk through, and the human journey is always a process, something that we will continue to figure out left and right, but only possible if we look to God to help speak into our lives and if we look to one another and bring them along with us. We need community for identity, and we need God for identity. Parker Palmer says, our deepest calling is to grow into our own authentic selfhood, whether or not it conforms to some image of who we ought or think we ought to be. Our deepest calling is to be the authentic self, is to be who it is that God created us to be, and to let that life speak into the world around us. But this only happens if we do it together. This only happens if we join together in community to make this a reality. And this only happens if we allow God to speak into our lives as we explore the mystery of who he is and understand his voice upon our hearts, our minds, and our souls, the inner core and essence of who we are. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this strange and interesting story of Jesus, of his transfiguration and of the miracles that were present in that space. But Father, we also thank you that he too wrestled with the same existential questions that we do. These questions of identity, these questions of, of who am I at the very core of my essence. Father, as we continue to process this together as a church, as we continue to process this together as a community, Father, may you guide us, may you direct us, may you push us, and may you prod us. But ultimately, may you speak to us. May we hear from you. May we sit in the mystery and allow your voice to pour over us and to hear the love of your voice speak. It's in your son's name that we pray all of these things. Thank you for listening to this week's homily. If you're in Seattle, we'd love for you to join us at 1316 Third Avenue West in Queen Anne. If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit unitedchurch.gives to partner with us financially. Be in peace and God bless.